0: this is friday night stripes where i'll talk to high school football officials around the usa about this advocation we all love let's kick it off hi everyone before we get started just wanted to uh, put a little note in here at the beginning after the uh, discussion we have today with josh i'm going to be adding in about 10 or 15 minutes of actually just reading the rule book Um, i'm going to start with rule two Um, which is the definitions area and we're throughout the remaining episodes of the podcast I'm going to continue to work through the different portions of the rulebook feel free to fast forward past all that stuff it's right at the end so you won't miss anything um, if you do but it's also a way for those who want to just refresh themselves on the rules I'm gonna keep it to about 10 minutes uh, so it's not too much to consume in a single sitting Um, but it's something I wanted to try if uh, if I'd love to hear how that works for everyone, um, so send me a note at hello at FridayNightStripes.com to let me know what you think. Thanks. Hi everyone, Don Vandermark here, and today I've got Josh Canalis with me. Josh is from the uh, Bakersfield area, of California. How are you doing today, Josh?
1: I'm doing good. How are you, Don? Thanks for having
0: me. Sure. Glad to have you on. Uh, it's always great to get people from different states. Uh, don't hear a lot of different... Um, everybody's pretty much following Federation rules, but sometimes mechanics come out differently. So um, always great to diversify where we're hearing from. Absolutely. So, uh, so Josh, uh, talk a little bit about... Um, how did you get started in officiating? Uh, what, what, what was the training like? What were the first couple of years like? And, and how have you progressed from there?
1: Um, I got started in officiating. I had a couple of friends that were doing it in Bakersfield. Um, this is my 10th year now. And um, one of my friends I was coaching high school baseball with said, uh, why don't you give it a try? So I thought, sure, what the heck. I, had, uh, I was a coach prior. And I did enjoy coaching, but as a new husband, new father, I was spending a lot of time away from home, and they kind of sold me on the fact that you won't spend as much time away from home, and uh, the best part is is when the game's over, uh, I'm not going home with the uh, depression of a loss. Right. So I thought, you know what, I can go out and I can still be involved in a game I love and, you know, maybe make a little bit of Christmas money while you're doing it. Sure. Do something to keep – do something to keep in shape because at that point I was, uh, you know, 31 years old and my glory days had passed me by. So I thought, well, you know, let's get out and run around on the field and chase these kids and and uh, yeah. So that's how I got started and I've grown to love it more and more ever since.
0: Yeah, great. So uh, you've been at it 10 years. Um, were, were your early were your early years more on the wings or were you an umpire or did you bounce around?
1: Yeah, my early years were on the wings, and um, you asked about our training. We, our, our association has uh, specific um, portions of our, of our weekly classes that are dedicated just to um, first- and second-year officials. So they have the opportunity to ask a lot of those things that um, may come across as, um, I say, stupid questions to the veterans, but the guy's been sitting in class for, you know, 6, 8, 10, 12, 20 years, um, there's a lot of things that they don't want to hear year in and year out they don't need to hear year in and year out so it really gives you know the association the opportunity to work just with those young guys and and teach them uh, the basics give them the extra uh, you know a- extra help they need when it comes to the mechanics and the rules sure so so um, yeah so that's that's one thing i I have found that I don't know how other associations do it but it's been very very helpful um in giving us um i think above average rookie classes when it comes to hitting the field
0: excellent yeah we uh i I was actually at a um association meeting last night for um soccer officials i I do soccer as well um and that was one of the discussions we were having was how to how to bring in new, new soccer officials and how to train them. And, and there was some, the, the association was very much, a, 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 at one point, was very much of the opinion that if you had not done any soccer at any level, you weren't going to do, you weren't going to be part of the association. Um, and that, that bylaw had come out about because of uh, one bad official they had had. But they yeah. decided well, to get they, they decided to get rid of it this year, uh, mainly because you, as with everybody else, we're fighting for numbers. Um, yeah, I was and, just
1: going to say I think that's a big big issue right now. Is um, you know, unfortunately, there are some associations that it sounds like you know, just reading articles through, you know, throughout the uh, Facebook page that we're a part of, how you and I met. Sure. Um, it's it's it, the numbers are so down that if you have a warm, willing body. Um you, you can't say no,
0: yeah, yeah and and I certainly uh, the 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 concern is valid. We don't want a warm body that can hardly move up and down the field and doesn't have a good exactly. a, a, a decent knowledge, I won't say good, a decent knowledge of the rules um, exactly uh, but but so, so there has to be something and and that's really what the discussion turned out to, to be more about was, okay whoever we bring in whether they have a year of experience or not we have to be monitoring and mentoring them to make sure that they're making the progression we need them to make in a, as an association Agreed. Um, and and I think I think that's that's true uh, at, at every level um, at, at every sport so I, I know we could use that in in our Football Association Um I also picked up lacrosse this year. This is the year of picking up other field sports for some reason. <laughs> but uh, it, it's been good for keeping me on the field year-round, which keeps me in shape year-round. Um, yeah, agreed. Absolutely. So, uh, But the, the, the Lacrosse Association has done a good job of uh, bringing in, have a class or two, have you get on the field shadowing an official. Um, and, yeah. and, then, and then my first game was I worked with the assigner. So um you know okay. knowledgeable people um, so they they seem to be doing a pretty good job of bringing bringing me along for a sport that honestly I knew I I, I knew what lacrosse looked like but I didn't know yep. the rules before I started yeah. digging in the book so um, but they were so hurting for numbers um, that they're like just come to the classes do a couple shadows we'll make sure that you're not gonna screw things up majorly, and then we'll get you out there. Yeah. Um, Well, and it
1: seems like it could be even more difficult in a sport that's not as widely popularized as uh, football or something. You know, so that's good. And especially out here, you know, I same boat as you. I, I think lacrosse is fascinating to watch, but I don't know much about it, and it's obviously not very popular here on the West Coast.
0: Sure sure the the fun thing about lacrosse i say fun um the, the 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 ironic thing about lacrosse is it's all played with the same stick and ball and net but the difference between the boys game and the girls game in high school is significant um i i think the uh, what i what the the association i joined was for girls high school lacrosse and they said boys high school lacrosse is just you know legalized assault is really all it is looks
1: <laughs> <laughs> like a combination of hockey soccer and football all on the same field <laughs>
0: with all of the hitting of all three of them so yeah um, exactly so so those two games are played differently and, and when i was early on asking about it, i was like well can i watch some college women's games to get the, the feel of it. But they're like, no, those rules are different too. So <laughs> there, there's oh, yeah. not, there's not a lot to, to lean on there. So uh, we, we got off football, but it, 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 it's, more so, about, it it's more about, it's more about that, you know, the bringing along of the, the young, the, the newer officials and, and figuring yeah. out how to bring them
1: along. It is in it, it and giving them that attention, giving them the field time, um, having more mandatory field time, um, our, uh, our our chair and our um, our assigning crew does an excellent job of making sure they get these young guys on the field because I know particularly in Bakersfield as fast as it's grown, um, you know my first year I had one varsity game on the field and that's because we had a we had a very big game the next week where um, our, our back judge had kind of pulled up a little lame in in the week prior in the jv game and didn't want to didn't want to not work the game the following week because it was a big game between two big uh you know uh big time uh rival schools in bakersfield sure and cody kessler cody kessler happened to be the quarterback for one of them Ah. so um so he volunteered to sit out the week prior that varsity game and that's the only game i worked and um then my second year i worked i think uh a half a half a schedule, you know, of uh, of varsity games, and then by my third year, I was on the field full time, right, at the flank position. And now, um, we have rookies coming in that if they can show it, they're going to work five, six, seven, eight games on the varsity.
0: Wow, you know, yeah.
1: they may not they may not be the top tier games per se, but you know, like like we always say, that all the games pay the same, and that doesn't mean you should work any. With any less sense of urgency or, or attentiveness on the field, and especially for these rookie guys, you know it, it's you know they're like a kid in a candy shop. They they're out there working varsity. They're uh, their first year, and it's it's not a bunch. You know it may be only a couple a year out of an association that we have about ninety officials, and have to cover anywhere between seven to thirteen games a week. Sure. Um, but but you know you do the math. Do the simple math. We need the numbers. So. Um, They've put a lot of emphasis. And putting the right people in place, too, I think, is a big, big aspect of it. Just because you have a good official on the field, you know, someone that knows the rules, knows the mechanics, doesn't mean they may be a very good teacher or instructor of teaching these young people. So, you know, they've put the right people in place over the last, um, you know, four, three, four years or so that are instructing these young guys, getting them field time. And then getting them um, not just position work, you know, particularly like you said, uh, working across the line of scrimmage at Flanks at and Umpire, but then in their transition, um, getting them the transition to work uh, with the next position, you know. So, uh, sure. um, you know, we're, we're really short on back judges, perfect example. You know, so we need, we need a lot of these younger athletic kids that can still move pretty good, because the one thing I've learned in 10 years is, I, I uh, these kids have gotten faster, and it's not so much that they've gotten faster, it's that I've gotten older and I lost a step. Oh sure. Oh, so we need we need these younger kids to fill in these, you know, some of these more athletic roles, like a back judge or in a seven man crew, you know, being able to backpedal, you know, for a good amount of time on the sideline. So, giving them the instruction to transition from from the flank to the middle of the field to the back judge has been key as well because the the, the transition's been a lot quicker um, sure. you know I have a lot of officials that have been in this game for 25 years you know they tell me stories and they say man it, it was four five six seven years before they even stepped on a varsity field so right. you know getting them the right instruction and getting them in the youth games too you know yeah and they got and, and the, the turn of that is it, it does take a little time early on but they got to be willing to work and, and we've had a good contingency of that.
0: Well, and and one one theme that always seems to come back when we talk about you know coming up in the system is is just getting snaps, and that's where the the youth game yep. comes in and things like that, and and the the, the key point there is you got to see a hold you know fifty times before you know what your line is um, when you're exactly. going to call it and when you're not. So um, absolutely exactly. part of it. So um, so. Uh, it, you've you've worked some wing, or or have you moved on to to working some white hat as well
1: yeah i have i i um for the last probably three years i've been a lower level white hat and your lower level white hat particularly on freshmen you're to serve as a mentoring role you're always going to have a um well when i started white hat on the freshman i had a a experienced official who's usually a varsity white hat that would work my umpire with me sure or or a wing as i was learning but then you, you typically have uh two veterans and two uh newer guys work the freshman level you know maybe just one newer guy depending on the the you know the freshman game at times um but then in the jv it was uh in the jv it's more of that um okay you're you're someone who's being considered for a varsity white hat um you know as in the next uh cycle here as as varsity white hats um, step aside and go back to the flank, just because they, you know, they're they're further along in their career and they don't want to deal with some of the stuff that comes with being a white hat anymore. Or they just don't move as well anymore, and they, you know, it. We've all heard it a million times. You you know how to you learn how to make it through a game without killing yourself at 60 because you've been doing it for 25, 30 years. Sure. And you know, not like a 20 year old where every 25 year old where everything is pin your ears back and go 90 miles an hour. Right. So, um, and then I have worked, um, a handful of games as a varsity white hat where needed to fill in just because of my, um, rules knowledge and, and my mechanics, I guess. I, they, they felt I was qualified to do it. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that's, that's a direction I'm going to start moving, I think, is, is to start working the sub varsity, um, as a white hat and the way we do it in our association is, um, usually the, the double freshman JV double header. Um, you work one game as a white hat and one game on the clock. And usually the, the other white hat does the flip. And as you said, you got one white new one and one, uh, one experienced one and they can provide some
1: feedback based on what they saw. Yeah. Um, well, and one of the, one of the other things we do too, I forgot to mention Don is that, um, we assign a rookie to a veteran um, every year. So you have a mentor, mentor, mentoree. Right. And, right. Um, you know, I'm sure that's probably a, a more com- a very common practice as well. But um, also, uh, you know, I worked a lot of youth games before, before I moved on to college last year. And I would always work. Uh, um, I was a white hat for my, my youth crew. And I would always have my mentoree on my crew so that I had snaps to work with him as well. And I know there are quite a few officials in our association that would do the same. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. That, that, that actually came up in the, in the soccer meeting that they had uh, that, that was the system they had had a couple years ago with, you know, a, a mentor mentee program where you, you worked mm-hmm. multiple games with the same people. Um, that's yeah. not something we, we have in our, our football association. Um, and, and, and I do feel that that is also a, a good initiative to have. Um, it, it, it's something I felt I was lacking my first couple of years was significant feedback. Um, yeah, I, it, the only feedback I, I got my first couple of years was, you know, walking from the field to the parking lot. If anybody had anything to say real quick, um, that, that that's about <laughs> yeah. all I had. So, um, and that's okay. It, it, it turned out all right, but there, there's there's room for faster growth and better growth. Um, the, Agree. The, the more you do that. So, um, one thing I wanted to to, to touch on um, as a topic in general was was the pre-game conference. Um, you 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 and I were, were talking real before right before we started recording, um, and you were talking about how uh, uh, some of the things that you've seen done. Um, in your association as far as pregame conferences go what 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 do you see in your uh pregame conference usually
1: so usually in our pregame conference um most if not all of our white hats are real good about having a uh a script already printed out that they go through you know a checklist and um one of the things we talk about is a contingency plan if an official goes down um here's where you know, here's the moves we're going to make, and obviously you want to make the fewest moves as possible to keep keep some harmony right. throughout the game. Um, you have to decide is your... Uh, see, we don't use um, timers in our association. Our timers are all furnished by the homeschool. Sure. So, um, our sixth official is our boxman. Is our boxman somebody that's qualified to be able to come in on the field? And how do we do that with the least amount of movement possible? Um, you know, what you don't want to do is you know bring someone in and then move four people around right um you know typically uh because of the progression um our uh our white hats would indicate um the back judge would go to the white hat if something were to happen to them um if the box man is qualified that they'll tell him you know if you if something happens you know you'll come in at headlines and then we'll make make moves from there as needed um you know, it's 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 rare to have someone that can work all the positions. It's helpful, but you know, not not a lot of people want to work them all. And there's a lot of um, you know, there's a lot of learning learning curves that go in with different mechanics. And any what's funny is it's not just the mechanics on the field. It's um, it's the uh, making sure you're not confused about where to line up on on free kicks and punts and sure. what your responsibility is on the things that only happen. Uh, 10 out of 120 plays a game. Right. So, um, you know, we, we always go o- over the contingency plan. We go over the um, kickoff mechanics where we'll line up. Um, and then, like I said, our white hat will just go down the checklist, ask for any input. Um, you know, there's while there's mechanics, we, we stick to. Sometimes there's ever so slight deviations that nobody would notice other than the officials working the game or people you've worked with. You know, I remember when I first moved to back judge, the, the, um, progression for the back judge was to, um, you had the outside receiver on this side or the outside on this side and it it didn't make any sense. Why do you have, why do you have inside guys working from outside in instead of inside out and outside guys working from inside out when they've got bodies in front of them that are right there for them to officiate Sure, and areas on the field for them to officiate. So, um, you know, we'll go over that. Go over that real quick, um, making sure we discuss how we're going to keep things boxed in. Um, discuss sideline control. You know, when you work in an association, um, you get to know your coaches, you get to know your teams, you get to know your sidelines. You know how, how we want to, you know, make it. Making sure we remind, especially because it's usually the the younger, newer guys on the sidelines that. Um, are learning to have their presence and and have control of their sidelines. So, yeah, so uh, uh, I think that's the biggest key is that, that I've noticed with our white hats is having a checklist, going through it, giving everybody the opportunity to discuss um, how they're going to handle their game, because the fact of the matter, you have to work your game. And then, you know, maybe discuss anything that came up to be aware of um, something that we, uh, recognized from working a team, that, you know the time before. Um, hey, you know this team, um, you know is going to do a lot of this. They're going to throw a lot of screens and, uh, you know, out to the, out to the wide side of the field. Make sure that it's the eligible receiver. Make sure that, you know, those type of things. Sure. So, okay. uh, our our games take about, about forty five minutes. You know, in general. Um, obviously in the seat you know once the season starts they'll be a little longer and then they kind of get a little bit they I don't want to say they shorten up they tighten up especially when you get to working when you get to working with the same people um, on a more regular basis you know last year we we, you know we for many years we didn't have crews and then we went to crews and then that phased out and then last year we went to um, the white hat would keep two people from a crew that he wanted and then they kind of then they assigned people who weren't assigned to cruise, you know, um, accordingly. And then this year um, we're going back to full cruise again, only instead of them being uh, in a draft per se, they, they're there, they were going to be, at least I thought they were going to be that, um, they're going to be assigned by the, by the white hat, so that they can create a good balance because there, there seemed to be a little inequity at times in the, uh, in the strength of the crew, so instead of having you know a super crew, and one crew that's you know got a lot of newer people on it, kind of creating these crews that have balance throughout. Sure, sure.
0: Yeah, it, we 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 have our our referees tend to do uh, similar things. I have a lot that have a script they go through. Um, depending on the referee, you have some who like to go over rules questions. Um, Mm -hmm. and some, some that like that, uh, I had one this year that had a list of like 30 different play scenarios that he just has a card of, and he just randomly picks, you know, five or 10 to go through, um, -hmm. each game. And, and I, the, the reason I wanted to talk about this is I thought that there are some officials in our association who don't like, who don't like that. They feel that they don't need to, to be doing that um, Mm -hmm. before the game because they know the rules, um, which is fine, but it, I found it helped. Um, One of the, even if you know the rules, just thinking about them helps because we had one, one game, one of the officials that does this and it, and is, and is known for thinking of hard scenarios and trying to trip you up, talked about what happens on a kickoff if, you know, K touches it before R touches it, or yeah. or or K interferes with R's ability to, to to, and and it's not something you see a lot. Sure enough, that game we had that exact scenario that we went over, and we were able exactly. to boom, legislate it properly, and we were done. We were out because we yep. had talked about it. now. That was fortuitous, um, that that we happened to talk about that exact scenario, but it's also mm-hmm. it's also one of those things that. If you talk about the more obscure scenarios, if, even if we hadn't yeah. had it that week, one of us might have had it the next week, um, and we would have yeah. been a lot sharper in it. So um, yeah. I'm, I, I, I feel like I'm always going to be one of those that, that, that really likes, likes to hear those different scenarios and work through them. And, and, and usually I'm, I'm the annoying guy who, who says, well, the answer is this, but what if we modify it just this little bit?
1: How does that change the answer? Um, exactly. So well, and the point is, I, I think the definite point is you're you're making there, Don, is you stimulate the thought before the action, and when you when you do that, um, like you said, the ability to to not be surprised as much when it actually when the action does happen, and get together, legislate the call, and and move on. Yeah. And then uh, it allows your white hat to because let's face it. There's always going to be some sort of uh, defining uh, conversation that the coach is going to have with the uh, with the official because they don't know or understand the rule. Right. And if the white hat can, can, you know, rattle it off right then and there with that level of confidence, then the coach is going to buy it. Right, right. And, um, yeah, I mean, and you know, and then occasionally you'll have uh, some white hats that will uh, – email you know during the during the week this is what pregame is going to be and assign each individual person um a topic of discussion you know like hey uh you know uh umpire you know you're going to go over uh, um you know uh, uh what, what's a good example for your umpire since he's been a since of work umpire but you know going over um you know tackle to tackle play sure you know how how you're going to do this uh back judge covering the passing game and and punting you know those type of things and then you'll be responsible to discuss those things um when it comes to your portion of the pregame. Oh, yeah. but but even at that it's still scripted yeah, and that
0: sounds similar to, to how I've heard that college officials have their pregame, right? Is I, I've yeah, heard that a is, lot. A is. lot of a lot of college referees will do that exact thing, assign things out to the different uh, to the different officials. And
1: and every college game I worked this year, that's exactly how it was done.
0: Sure, sure. So what what level of college um, are you working currently?
1: Well, I just started this year, so I'm uh, working junior college football here. Okay. In, uh, in California. And our, our section is divided into, our state, as big as it is, is divided into two sections, Northern California and Southern California. And Bakersfield happens to be, where I'm at, the northmost Southern California school that the Southern California uh, Association covers. Sure. And then about 60 miles north of that is College of Sequoias, and Visalia. And that's the southernmost north school. So they do from Visalia all the way to the Oregon border. And then the South does Bakersfield all the way to the down, down to San Diego. Sure.
0: Not a great, uh, not a great location for you then.
1: (laughs) Um, (laughs) It is in a sense that, um, you know, last year I worked Northern California and um, it was great to be on the field. Uh, Met a lot of great officials and um, actually got to work with a couple of them in our state semifinal game, which was great. Sure. And, um, but I'm going to give the uh, Southern California unit a try this year um, just to, you know, to see the difference. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it unlike high school, the travel can be a little bit treacherous at times. You know, they did a pretty good job of not, not sending us too far away. I think our furthest game away that I had to travel to was 100 miles. But some of these guys up here, you know, they can, I mean, they can go – couple hundred miles. Oh sure. And cuz you don't realize how big I didn't realize how big this state was until I've lived in different parts of it now. And um the the difference is if I if from Bakersfield if I go 100 miles north, there's only four or five schools that I can cover. If I go 100 miles south, there's 25 schools I can cover. Right. So, you know, you get the opportunity to work um, different games, different locations. And that's always fun, too. I mean, you know, let's face it, as, as officials, we don't like monotony anymore than anybody else. And when you get the opportunity to work different games, different coaches, different teams, different players, different styles, you know, different just different styles of football altogether, it, I, I think it's better for your development as an official. Oh, yeah. To see the difference, to see the quality of, of play, to see the, uh, you know, the different offenses. You know, nobody wants to see the same – offense you know five times in a season by the same team or working the same team that's blowing everybody out by 50 points a game and you know we've all been in those games it can be difficult to keep your concentration sometimes and that's probably when you need it the most in the preventative officiating portion of your game for sure for sure
0: well, I, I, think, I think that pretty much wraps up what, what I wanted to talk about today. I, and actually, just for everybody listening, um, right after w- uh, we wrap up here with um, Josh, uh, there's going to be a, a an additional segment that I'm adding to the podcast where I'm actually, there's going to be an additional 10 minutes of, this sounds thrilling, I'm sure, of me actually just reading the rulebook. And I'm starting with rule two, and I'm just going down each article. Um, so feel free to skip past it, or or if it's something you want to do to refresh your knowledge of the rules, feel feel free to listen in as well. Um, it, it's something I've heard done elsewhere, and and uh, with the college rule book, and I think it's it's a way to keep things fresh in your mind. So yeah,
1: um, I'm gonna absolutely.
0: have I'm gonna have that at the end of every episode going forward. So. Um, whoever wants to listen can listen. So, all right. So Josh, I, I appreciate you joining today. Um, definitely, uh, definitely some great insights there. Uh, thank you for, for joining us.
1: Oh, well, thank you for having me. I uh, look forward to hearing these moving forward here. What, what some other officials around the country have to have to offer, because let's face it, it is as, as big as this country is, it really is a small fraternity. And, um, I think we can all learn from each other, um, regardless of where we were, you know, like you sure. said, we're all, we're all working out of the NFHS book, um, that there, there, there's not going to be too many differences. And I think the, those little, um, idiosyncrasies that we can teach each other are only going to make us all better on the field. For sure.
0: All right. Well, thanks again, Josh. And and you have a great off season and, and a great, uh, 2019 season. All right, thank
1: you very much,
0: Don. Okay, here's the new section I talked about earlier, where I'm just going to read through uh, a couple pages of the rule book here at the end of the podcast, and hopefully uh, it helps you. If uh, if you have any uh, comments on on this or suggestions, uh, send me an email at hello at fridaynightstripes.com. Thanks. Rule two. Definition of Playing Terms. Section 1. Status of Ball. Dead. Live. Loose. Article 1. A dead ball is a ball not in play. The ball is dead during the interval between downs. Article 2. A live ball is a ball in play. A ball becomes live when the ball has been legally snapped or free kicked and a down is in progress. Article 3. A loose ball is a pass, fumble, or a kick. The terms pass, fumble, and kick are sometimes used as abbreviations when the ball is loose following the acts of passing, fumbling, or kicking the ball. A loose ball which has not yet touched the ground is in flight. A grounded loose ball is one which has touched the ground. Any loose ball continues to be a loose ball until a player secures possession of it or until it becomes dead by rule whichever comes first. Section 2 Batting. Batting is intentionally slapping or striking the ball with the arm or hand. Section 3. Blocking. Article 1 Blocking is obstructing an opponent by contacting him with any part of the blocker's body. Article 2. In blocking A player may contact opponents with the hands or arms, provided the technique is legal. The legal techniques are as follows. A. Closed or cupped hand technique. The elbows may be inside or outside the shoulders. The hands must be closed or cupped with the palms not facing the opponent. The forearms are extended no more than 45 degrees from the body. B. Open hand technique. The hand or hands shall be, in advance of the elbow, inside the frame of the blocker's body. The frame of the blocker's body is in front of the body, at or below the shoulders. Inside the frame of the opponent's body, except when the opponent turns his back to the blocker during the block or after the blocker is committed to his charge. The frame of the opponent's body is at the shoulders or below, other than the back. At or below the shoulders of the blocker and the opponent, except when the opponent squats, ducks, or submarines during the block or after the blocker is committed to his charge. Open when the palms are facing the frame of the opponent or when the forearms are extended beyond the 45 degree angle from the body. Article 3. The blocker's hand or hands may not be locked or Nor may he swing, throw, or flip the elbow or forearm so that it is moving faster than the blocker's shoulders at the same time of the elbow, forearm, or shoulder contacts the opponent. The blocker may not initiate contact with his arm or hand against an opponent above the opponent's shoulders, but he may use his hand or arm to break a fall or maintain his balance. Article 4. An offensive player may also use his hands or arms, A, when he is a runner, to ward off or push any player, B, during a kick, to ward off an opponent who is attempting to block him, C, to push, pull, or ward off an opponent when the ball is loose, if he may legally touch or possess the ball if such contact is not pass interference, a personal foul, or a legal use of hands. Article 5. A defensive player may also, A, use unlocked hands, hand, or arm to ward off an opponent who is blocking him or is attempting to block him. B, push, pull, or ward off an opponent in an actual attempt to get at the runner or a loose ball if such contact is not pass interference, a personal foul, or illegal use of hands. Note, when a player simulates possession of the ball reasonable allowance may be made for failure of the defense to discover the deception. This does not cancel the responsibility of any defensive player to exercise reasonable caution in avoiding any unnecessary contact. Article 6. When a player on defense uses a hand or arm, the hand must be in advance of the elbow at the time of the contact, and at the shoulder or below unless the opponent squats, ducks, or submarines. Article 7. Blocking below the waist is making initial contact below the waist from the front or side against an opponent other than a runner. Contact with an opponent's hand or hands below the waist that continues into the body below the waist is considered blocking below the waist. Blocking below the waist applies only when the opponent has one or both feet on the ground. Section 4. Catch. Article 1. A catch is the act of establishing player possession of a live ball which is in flight and first contacting the ground inbounds while maintaining possession of the ball or having the forward progress of the player who is in possession stopped while the opponent is carrying the player who is in possession and inbounds. Article 2. Catching is always preceded by touching the ball. Thus, if touching causes the ball to become dead, securing possession of the ball has no significance. Article 3. A simultaneous catch or recovery is a catch or recovery in which there is joint possession of a live ball by opposing players who are in bounds. Section 5. Clipping and blocking in the back. Article 1. Clipping is a block against an opponent when the initial contact is from behind, at, or below the waist, and not against a player who is a runner or pretending to be a runner. Article 2. Blocking in the back is a block against an opponent when the initial contact is in the opponent's back, inside the shoulders, and below the helmet and above the waist, and not against a player who is a runner or or pretending to be a runner. Section 6. Conferences. Article 1. Coach-Referee Conference. The referee confers with the coach at the sideline in front of his team box in the field of play. Article 2. Authorized Team Conference. There are two types of authorized team conferences. A. Outside nine-yard mark conference. One or more team members and one or more coaches directly in front of the team box within nine yards of the sideline, or B, between nine-yard mark conference, one coach on the field to confer with no more than 11 players at his team's huddle between the hash marks.